Thanks, John. Um, Partly, I do love a bit of chaos, so all the things that have gone wrong this morning, I'm like, this is brilliant, let's have more of it. Um, And also, I'm a crier, so if that happens, that's perfectly normal. Don't panic, it's okay. I just cry a lot. Um, We're going to kick off with a quote from a lady called Amy or Ewing, who is a theologian. But I'm going to ask us to do things a little bit more, a bit bit different this morning. Um, We're going to have our eyes shut as I share this quote. And then I'm going to read our passage for us this morning. Um, We'll have our eyes shut for the whole thing. Don't worry, your bags are safe. It's okay. Um, But I just think as we have our eyes shut, it lets us explore and um, get into the imagery of our text. Um, So if you're happy to, um, please, can you close your eyes as we kick off? Consider for a moment what life might have been like for a young woman in an insignificant district of an occupied country under the control of the most powerful empire the world has ever known. And now, contemplate the experience of a woman at a time when a woman's voice meant very little indeed. In fact, her testimony was practically worthless in a court of law. Think of how a woman living under such oppression was also encouraged to follow the cultural norm of marriage. This is the world as Mary the mother of Jesus, experienced it. Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born with you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me 
be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. We're just going to stay in this moment of silence and quiet. What was brought to mind for you? Let's keep hold of that as you now can open your eyes and come back into this space. Thanks for going with me on that. So today we're going to be grounded in Luke 1, 26 to 38, which I read just before. At this time of Advent, we've been dwelling on different stories of the Advent season. Kevin spoke to us and shared with us about Jesus coming, being the light of this world. Abiel last week shared about the courage of Joseph, Jesus's father. And today we're going to be looking at Mary, mother of Jesus. So who is Mary? Mary is an ordinary, young, oppressed woman who with her questions, with her fears, with her actions, with her obedience, played a part in showing us, showing us the world who Jesus is. Jesus, Emmanuel, God who is with us. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes Mary has played in like quite a passive role. For some people who've been Marys in their local nativity, they don't necessarily even get any lines. I'm livid. I'm like, sorry, she's actually really integral. Let's give her some space and a voice. Okay, thank you. Anyway, but in Luke's gospel, Luke puts her at the heart of the beginning of this story. She is a woman who exercised choice. She is a woman who questioned things. She reflected, she responded, she spoke up and she demonstrated great faith. She knew the intimacy of growing a child, of giving birth to a child amongst the assumptions and amongst the shame that everything was and everyone was putting on her. She brought this child into the world. She is the primary witness to the child and the growing person of Jesus. And why are we even looking at Mary? I have always been super drawn to Mary. I'm like, she's amazing. Um, And I've always just found the person of her quite intriguing. The person who gave birth to Jesus. The person who saw him crucified. The person who was present at the day of Pentecost. And when I look to Jesus, I see my saviour. I saw God made man and I see the person I want to become more and more like. But sometimes I'm like, that is completely unattainable. I have way too many gaps. I am definitely not a God made man. That's just FYI for the room. It's no surprise to anyone. Um, But there's way too many. I'm like, I don't know how or why I can achieve that. I do know why, but I don't know how to do it. But when I look to Mary, I see someone I can become like. I can see her questions. I can see her fears. I can see her courage that she steps into. And I can see her simple and crazy faith that she has. I want to be a little bit more like Mary. 
And Mary has a lesson for each one of us. Even if you're not a 15-year-old girl and in the same culture and time that she was born into, she has a message for each one of us. Every one of us can learn from her example of courage, her example of obedience, her example of beautiful faith. Mary was very ordinary. Mary's life was very ordinary. You are very ordinary. (laughs) Sorry, if we've never met, I'm sure you're fabulous as well. But you are very ordinary and your life is very ordinary. But also, Mary was extraordinary. And Mary's life was extraordinary. You are also extraordinary and your life is extraordinary. We may have never met before. Sorry that first thing you've heard is that I've told you you're ordinary. Um, But something that I've been a part of and something that I've been doing for the last 13 years is that I'm a youth worker. I work with young people. They are absolutely epic. Um, And a friend of mine, as I was prepping this talk, said to me, have you ever seen something so ordinarily broken as a 15-year-old? If you're a 15-year-old in the room, you might be feeling some of those things. You might be like, yeah, maybe a little bit. And on some occasions, I would answer yes to that. I'd say, yeah, there isn't much more ordinarily broken than a 15-year-old. But partly that's because us as adults, we're just as equally broken, but we've decided to cling on to and wear the veneer of it's all together and I'm okay. But they're 15, they've got to ask for help every now and again. And when I sit with some of those young people, I do see some of the brokenness, but I also see how bursting with life those young people are. They have cracks and brokenness, just as I have cracks and brokenness, but they're not broken, they are bursting. Um, My job, I work with young people trying to get them back into education and employment and training. Um, And some of these young people have the most biggest, the biggest barriers that they have facing them. And I get to sit with them a lot of the time in the joy, um, but also in the time of like building in action plans for them, adding in some measurements of how to keep them safe and how to get them where they need to get to. And then twice a term, we get to go to what's called a celebration evening. So the young people who've done our latest program, the last week, we get to go and celebrate them. Through much duress, they end up doing presentations. They're wonderful. Um, And then we get to publicly affirm them and just be like, you're incredible. This is what you've got in you. This is where you excel. And we get to encourage them for an evening. Um, Joe and I were able to go to our latest one, the Thursday just gone. If you're a recipient from a very teary voice note off the back of it, I can only apologize. I cry a lot. And I just wanted to share two stories from the latest celebration evening we had on Thursday. The first guy was a young person who had not really left his home for three months. He was severely bullied um, at college and he just didn't find it safe leaving his house. And he shared at the end of the thing, he was like, here's my advice for the room. And his piece of advice was, whatever you need to do and whatever, wherever you need to go, you need to cling on to hope. I had lost my hope and I won't lose it again. Amen. Yes, please. 
And the second was a young person, we're going to call her Ruth because of GDPR. Um, and she shared about her mock interview. We do put them through a mock interview process. Um, and she was like, I, I called in, I said I was ill, I was lying. And she said, there was, I didn't want to go to it. There was absolutely not a chance that I wanted to be in this space. So over and over again. And finally, they were able to get her in. And she actually then shared that that was her highlight of the program. Come on. Um, but she was worried. She didn't think that she had what it took to do this mock interview process. She said that she knew that she had too many weaknesses to even know where to start. But she did it. And then she got to share in a room full of 50 people. She said, I realized that all the things I thought were my weaknesses were actually my strengths all along. <laughs> Without them, I wouldn't be as resilient as I am right now. She had lost her mum last year and her and her, um, her dad and her sister were there and they were on the front row and she got to be like, thanks guys. It was incredible. But she wants to work in the army uh, in the future and she said, I've realised when I work with my platoon, that's how I need to lead them. I need to lead them from my weaknesses. Ordinary young people living ordinary lives and extraordinary young people living extraordinary lives. So that's some nice stories, Lucy, about young people. But how does that apply to Mary? How does that apply to me? I don't really get it. But in the passage, we read and we see Mary be asked to do something extraordinary of her. You will be give birth to the Son of the Most High. Reminder of who that's being said to this young woman who didn't have a voice in her culture. We read that she was troubled and she was afraid. Have you ever been asked to do something and your response is troubled and afraid? It's natural, right? And Mary doesn't let these fears prevent her, but how? We read that she questioned, how will this be since I am a virgin? Have you ever asked the question, how will I do that? Because I'm not fill in the blank of what your end of the sentence can be. For me, sometimes it's, I'm not sure I can do that because I'm not stable enough. I don't have the wisdom enough. What would they think of me? It just isn't possible. That's some of the treadmill of thoughts that happen in my head. And we read that it is possible through the Holy Spirit. And how does Mary respond? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What is ordinary about Mary? I really want to say there's something about Mary, just over and over again, it's been playing in my head. But what is ordinary about Mary is her response. Her response is obedience. What is extraordinary about Mary is God's grace. Ordinary, her obedience. Extraordinary is God's grace for her. Dallas Willard, who is a theologian and lots of other things, a very wise man, um, describes grace as grace is God acting in our life to enable us to do what we cannot do on our own. 
Grace is God acting in our life, in my life, in your life, to enable you to do what you cannot do on your own. Mary gave birth to a child without having sex. This happened through the Holy Spirit by grace. Grace is being able to do something that we cannot do by ourselves. The very ordinary obedience of our everyday life becomes extraordinary through grace. It's the ordinary of your daily life that makes you extraordinary. How God uses you, how God works in you, how God speaks through you. As the young person described it this week, my weaknesses were actually my strengths all along. My weaknesses, my ordinary everyday life is where God wants to use his strength, his grace through each one of us. And you might be here and you might be thinking, this in no way relates to me at all. I don't understand. Maybe you think you're more extraordinary than you actually are. And maybe you're hearing this and you might be thinking, I am the most ordinary person there has ever been. The grace of God makes your life extraordinary. The picture is, is that we are all Marys. I have never met a Mary, non-gender or age specific, that is not acutely aware of their brokenness acutely aware of their everyday and their ordinariness and where God can move in and breathe life to make it extraordinary. Even if we just look at the nativity, it's made up of the most ordinary of people. The teenage mum giving birth amongst the shame, amongst the assumption of others. The dad who's a bit confused because he's now father to a child that isn't his and he doesn't really get it. He does, because God speaks to him. And then the shepherds, that no one wanted any, like, them to be nowhere near anything. They were smelly. They, didn't, they, were, they were there. But those that the world says, the most extraordinary people, the wise men, they weren't even there. They were late. The only ones society would deem extraordinary were not there. They missed the whole thing. So what does your ordinary life look like? Where you are, the people around you, the things that you do, and where are you saying yes to God? Where is God asking for your obedience so that he can move into the neighborhood of your life and make it extraordinary? For Mary, that was having a son. What does that look like for you? Is it inviting the Holy Spirit to fill you before a meeting? Is it praying for the email just before it gets sent? Is it praying for the other mums and dads that you see at the school gates? Achievable everyday things that invite the Spirit to fill them interactions that become extraordinary, emails that become extraordinary. And who gets to get involved? You do. Everyone can play. Mary can play. Grace is God acting in our life to enable us to do what we cannot do on our own. We're filled with the Spirit of God so that when we think that wouldn't happen to little old me, it does. 
because the Spirit of God fills you. Because of God's extraordinary grace, then it is made possible. If you're in this room, it's because you've probably heard something, you've seen something, you've encountered some of the Spirit, some of this extraordinary life, or you might be in here because you're longing to see that, or you have a hunger for something like that in your life. And this room is full of stories of lives becoming extraordinary. It's the really difficult situation I was in last week and knowing that I was able to keep peace within it. It's the Ali praying for a guy at goals and the man being healed. It's the Claudia who brought one of our friends to church and then multiple of them have come because they have found home here in Christ. You are extraordinary. And by the grace of God, you have an extraordinary life. Where are you saying yes to God? Where is God asking for your obedience so he can move into the neighbourhood? I'm going to invite the band up. um, And we're just going to stay in a moment of silence. Now, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're just going to rest on those questions. Where are you saying yes to God? Where is God asking for your obedience?